Soy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, I'm Trent, and it is wonderful to have your company for the final special installment of our Lego Masters analysis. And to do this episode justice today, we've got Frank. Well, hoi hoi. Ben. G'day, g'day. Davey. Hey, hey. And my partner in crime on Lego Masters. Let's give him a massive round of applause, Mr. Josh Taylor. Cha-ching. I didn't have a catchphrase, so I'll just go with that. Cha-ching. <laughs> Cha-ching. <laughs> so, well, this is it. I mean, last night, Josh, we got together with all the Adelaide peeps to do a watch party. How did that go for you? How was it watching the finale back? Yeah, it was super cool. And it was really good that we were able to get together with the SA peeps and still remain socially distant, which was nice. We didn't have to be in complete lockdown. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit nostalgic because it was so long ago that we filmed it. That you kind of forget all the little bits here and there that happen on the show. So watching it back was a, yeah, it was kind of a weird end to the journey. And yeah, yeah it was just really, it was nice closure. I forgot how many times you broke that monkey head. <laughs> yeah, so I actually completely forgot about it until you like it started playing, and I was like, "Oh, that's right! I smashed that thing twice." <laughs> but we we oh. watched it last night with a couple of uh, our American friends. Never mind Channel Nine, how we actually did that. But uh, and that was one of the, the the comments that come out of it. They were just like hashtag double monkey fail, and you know, <laughs> just 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 a caption of Trent just going Josh, just yeah. yelling. <laughs> Oh, well, I watched right, well, it alone with my family like a massive loser because no one invited me to any of these. Well, I, we thought you were on the radio. I thought you were on the radio. What happened to DVG, man? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't pre-recorded, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, saying well, that, I did almost get pulled over on the drive to the station to put it on with the Nine Now app streaming your episode for like 15 minutes. So... <laughs> Dedication. Nicely done. It is. Oh, look, I expect nothing less from you, Davey. Hey, um, before we jump into the finale, we've got to just recap the penultimate episode, which culminated in Hamish destroying, was it like 150 hours worth of build work in that Harley? It was like 75,000 bricks, was it? Yeah, I think that was worth like 25 grand worth of model, destroying the Harley to do the smash and grab and then the night and day build. Now, I know there'd, there'd been some previews of that motorbike going down, but did that s- surprise anyone that I, moment of it I, crashing? Because it sure the hell scared the hell out of me when it happened. Yeah, he sold it as much as we'd seen it on the promos. He, Hamish, if you were watching it in that live instance, he sold it pretty well, I think. Um, and we'd sort of speculated about why would you smash something as, as amazing as that? Uh, and we, 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 I think Ben's idea was there was another little special brick 
in amongst all that somewhere. It wasn't quite how it actually turned out, but um, yeah, it was it was good to see that your the contestants' reactions live because you could tell that wasn't set up. You guys were genuinely like, "Oh my God, Hamish, what have you done?" Like that was we great. definitely were. He he, he fooled us. They played it so well because he was talking up how long it was and how expensive it was and how yeah, much time yeah. and money and effort and then Hamish was like oh can I can I can I approach this is that okay do you mind if I touch it I'll be really <laughs> careful we were convinced that it was an accident for at least the first five to ten seconds yeah, <laughs> yeah. so is there is there a monetary measurement of the time it takes to build something with Lego like I'm just wondering like you know like with the trade it you know an hour of painting costs a certain amount is there a way of working there, there out there? It probably is, but they yeah. valued that motorbike at 25 grand, so I'm not sure how they work it out, but yeah. pretty expensive oh, Lego model. <laughs> who's got the most expertise to chime in at this point? Um, oh, anyway, even if it's not me, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> if only we could find someone that came third in some. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that qualifies me for comment, third place. I can, I can think of two other teams that would know more. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of my profession, Davey, but um, I suspect the value ascribed is, is to do with the brick, so the value of the bricks that go into the build. But potentially, if you were looking to, as any value would know, if you're looking to inflate your valuation, you'd probably incorporate time and labour. Because so. if I was going to get like whoever built it to come to my house and build Lego, surely there'd be a fee involved of their yeah. time. So I well, wonder if that goes towards the 25G. I would think yeah. so. I think I would think so, to be honest. Yeah. I, so, yeah. So, Ben. I, I love the idea of this build, right? So we, um, Frank alluded to it before, we had the idea of the build uh, wrong in the sense that there was a mystery uh, brick or something you had to find, but no, it was uh, build whatever you can collect and that's what you've got to base your uh, new ideas around and things. And I love that because that's what every person at home has to deal with. It's what they've got in their buckets. It's what they've bought over the years. It's what they've been, um, you know, gifted by previous generations and or uh, family members or, you know, friends or whatever. It's, you know, you, it's you, the limitation that you have at home. You don't have a brick room with a million bricks in it to choose every colour of the, um, you know, of the rainbow and every shape and everything. You've got only got what you've got so you have to improvise so to speak and uh you went for it you went for the uh you know the crazy character in the uh, chicken suit and things and at first i was like that is so it's got the whole gargamel look about it the whole from smurfs <laughs> but I, i've i've since had a couple of days to think about it and i've come up with it's got the whole dick da, da, uh, dynasty da, dynasty dick dastardly from wacky races so i i massive respect i i freaking love that and so there was obviously uh the thumbs up approval to go around the room and uh, trade yeah, that wasn't oh, really part of the spec. Yeah. That well, was this great. is uh, behind the scenes, right? We, you get the brief, right, and then you have a little debrief with the design team. Like, so basically, there's a challenge team, and they'll just make sure you're on the right track. And I think from memory, I, I sort of said, "Look, can we trade?" And the the challenge team guy goes, "No, there's no trading. It's what you get." And then DMac, who's the head producer, goes, "Yeah, no." No, nah, we're changing that. We'll see what happens if you can trade. So it was sanctioned. Um, yeah. 
you know, like it was it was within the rules. And I saw a few comments online saying, oh, it kind of defeated the purpose of being able to trade. But and I think there were some people that were critical of us because we traded some very specific parts to get the face. And and I think their view was like, nah, tough. You chose the face. Deal with what you've got. Mm. But everyone got to trade. And in my opinion, the spirit of the show, a little bit of trade. Like it wasn't like you were rifling through for hours getting pieces. You know, it was a few key pieces if you could find them or if they had them that you got. I don't think it made a massive difference. Yeah, there was only um, trading of very, very few pieces. I think we gave... Jackson likes like one scorpion and a few bits of greenery, like some plants yeah. and, stuff, and that was it. So it wasn't like we were handing them piles and piles of bricks. So it didn't defeat the purpose of it at all. Yeah. But you know, in return, they were giving us like one or two tan pieces. So it was like very small trades that happened throughout the whole episode. So if, it was very if only you're allowed to trade once every time that Trent and Hamish flirted. <laughs> <laughs> On the flip side of that, I found it like ironic that um, Damien and Andrew took the whole pyramid part that sort of uh, held the bike up. So they base their whole structure around that enormous pre-built pyramid and they're like, well, half the build's done already. So, yeah, you know, I... because it hadn't broken down yet. Okay, so, so I'm just going to say, I honestly didn't realise that until you said it, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that they were building around that, but now that you've said it, I look at it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's, easy, it's easy to judge from sitting on the couch. So, yeah, that's yeah. it. I would have I just presented... That. That's so clever. I would have just presented the pyramid and be like, I built a... A Sith Wayfinder from Star Wars. <laughs> you, just, you now need a mountain to, me- to, to, to measure up against. Yeah. I, I was pretty tempted to build the uh, the handlebar of a motorbike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah, oh, it was, was going to build half a wheel, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Smash and Grab. Okay, so we got the immunity in the Smash and Grab challenge, which, interestingly, when we were given that choice of you know pick pick a, uh, a lot to develop. Josh and I both like immediately went residential. And so we thought we're both on the same wavelength. Let's go residential. Brickman actually said to us that that in, in his opinion was the hardest one to build for. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess we did struggle, but what, what, how did you guys find the night and day kind of concept? How did that work on camera compared to some of the other challenges? I think of all the other challenges, it was probably, the most unclear, if that makes sense. Like the way they just said night and day, and they're like, "Wait, so you expecting every like the model to turn around at night time?" Like the, and I think it was really hard for people at home to visualize how flicking the lights on and off would change Even the model. The way they presented it with like the blueprints, like you know when they had the schematic yeah. at the start, they presented it almost, and we we misunderstood as family. They presented it as if you were going to be allowed to change the minifigures or something. Like, mm-hmm. particularly when they showed the heist at the museum, they had, the like, the day and the night. And the positioning of nearly everything on, on the schematic was completely different. And I was like, oh, well, that's easy to do. You just, you know, completely change all the minifigs <laughs> and all that kind of thing. But obviously, then uh, you guys misunderstood too because you put the demon in the day. <laughs> hey... I I know plenty of day demons that get around. So um. we 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 were talking about me and my wife talking about how how you could do that when we sort of realised oh this yellow demon's going to be a problem. And I had the thought where you would do you build like the old gargoyles like they used to have on top of the old buildings, but then at the night time like you have 
build electronics into the eyes and the eyes glow red type yep. thing is one way you could, I, mean, I guess it's, it's easy to say that in hindsight sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think if you guys could have pulled that off and got the, the demon rising and, and coming up, I, I know a little bit about technique. I do a little bit like Josh, to be honest, I, I've done a little bit of technique with some of the kids at school and uh, yeah, it's a, I was thinking through in my head, how would you actually get that to work? Like that's, I, that's I think ridiculous. the only way you could do it is if you had it rotating. Well, they had that with the ghost. I, I thought much yeah. like the ghost yeah. Like yeah. was the only way around it. Um, I was wondering if you guys, since the show has aired or even since you finished, if you had contacted Tim and Danny's uh, roof to thank it. <laughs> <laughs> the UFO. Were, yep. were you going to split the prize money with the roof? <laughs> We weren't. We didn't get its phone number, unfortunately. <laughs> Look, you know, we, we, we were lucky. I mean, you take whatever you can to sneak through in the comp, and we were happy to take, you know, we, we obviously didn't want them to fail. That's, that's not what this competition's about. We wanted to, genuinely, we wanted to see their builders, you know, in the best light as it could be. Um, and they would be bitterly disappointed. They probably, in my opinion, bet, like, but everything on it coming up, you know, like they put a lot into that one feature in terms of their nighttime build and they'll look back and they'll go yeah we missed a trick with putting the truck in front of the window and and maybe having that big ground wall and a few things like that you do in all your builds you go oh yeah like now that i'm looking at it the fresh set of eyes i can see all those things that you get kind of lost in the moment um but i would have had a fail safe like you know like our demon didn't work sure but we had other elements that really popped at night so that they'll they'll probably be kicking themselves a bit that they put a lot into the UFO and you know like that mechanism as we said was hard to pull off. The best troubleshoot that our family come up with actually, my eleven year old son came up with for the demon was to have a track running away at the back of the building with a vehicle on it that could only go a certain direction with basically a rope and pulley system and have a higher point of the demon and as the car drove away it pulled the demon up at night. So okay. you can blame him for not getting across the line with that one. <laughs> well, I, I knew the concept, the day. well, I knew the concept of how to get it to work, but working with Technic is, requires a lot of maths. So like figuring out the distances between gears and down gearing and up gearing. But basically the concept was that it would go up a track and then when it hits the top, a clutch gear would engage to hold it in that one yeah. position. But I just couldn't get the the mathematics of it correct to get everything working without it like jarring at the top and then making the demon fall off because it hit too quickly and all those things. So I knew well, that... You could have had an attack Brickman when it, when you turned on the lights. You could have jumped straight at him. Like, yeah. Maybe I should have done that. Oh, yes, do you know what would have been the ultimate build for that whole thing? When he pressed the button, the entire table collapses. And the whole build just tumbles to the ground. Like, well, it's a cursed building, all right. <laughs> that would be the biggest build. difference from day to night. Turns into a black hole. Disaster. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll head into the final build now. So, as, as you heard, we did sneak through for Tim and Danny. Unfortunately, the UFO didn't come through and they were eliminated. Um, final build was an open brief similar to last year, 28 hours of whatever you want. You're given a big base plate. How did you find, first of all, just like the, the pacing of the episode and what people were trying to achieve? How, how did that all go down for you guys viewing it? I'll, I'll jump in first. The, the one thing I'll say is obviously being the finale that had so much to fit in in that time, 
it felt like it showed Josh putting like three or four red bricks on, cut, and it's like, here's half the pirate ship. And it's like, oh, whereas, you know, the other weeks they tend to built it up a bit. But this time, obviously, they couldn't afford that luxury with the time. But yeah, I did feel all the builds jumped. It was like, oh, seven hours in. It's like, hey. It did feel like it jumped through quite quickly. I did notice that as well. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, on the day, it didn't feel like that pirate ship went up quickly. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it was so slow, we thought we weren't going to finish. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was just it was epic. That, when you showed, I think one of the first ones you made was the uh, Blackbeard's um, face, like Redbeard or whatever. And uh, you know, the, the, he was just amazing. Like, you just nailed that from the get-go. Uh, I just, yeah, mad respect, man. He was just the highlight uh, character of that, um, you know, barrage. So, barrage, so. Now, yeah. for you guys, a lot of you guys are, you know, of my age, old, older yes. gentlemanly types. Um, how did how did you find, was was there sort of a bit of a nostalgia with that? Oh, definitely. Oh, the pirate theme, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as you said pirate, I was just like, right, here we go. Like, I, I, in my head, leading into the finale, when it was a bit unclear, who had built what in the finale and they only showed it very briefly. I was thinking going, Oh, Trent's, Trent's either gone that, that sort of Coliseum with the samurai warriors battling or the pirate ship. It's, it's one of those two straight away. The other thought, one that theme that I thought could have been good with that nostalgia feel is, you know, like Benny's spaceship, but on steroids sort of thing. Like you do a full space diorama type thing. Um, but yeah, that pirate ship was was outstanding. And I think you guys played really well to your strengths. The, the ones where you did really well and you won those challenges, they were the larger scale um, characters. And you went to your point, Trent, bugger it, we're going bigger again. We're going as big as we can possibly do in, in the time allowed. So And from a branding point of view, it was so clever because win or lose, you guys had built the biggest thing in Lego Master. That's and that right. will come yeah. up yeah. next we were, season. We were pretty happy yeah. with that. Definitely, again. It's definitely a monster, <laughs> that's for sure. And like I said before, in the first sort of day of filming, we didn't have it very high off the base plate and we were super concerned we weren't going to finish it. But yeah, I don't know how we managed to get the majority, like the, the structure at least up. And it was obviously missing a whole bunch of features that we wish we did have. But the structure was done. It was definitely the biggest thing. That mast went taller than the light. So we definitely <laughs> made Jay and Stani Tower Kings proud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those, those characters, it was unreal. We knew we kind of landed on a bit of a gold mine when we started winning with those. Yeah. And I guess we got a bonus or brownie points with Brickman and any guess any Lego expert because doing those characters is extremely difficult. And if you can do them well, that skill is highly appreciated. And so when Trent kind of landed on that, I was like, holy crap, Trent, where did this come from? <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> There's a difference between relying on, you know, a minifig with the teardrop to convey sadness, whereas you guys built it from scratch. You had to set your own scale as well because they're obviously bigger than minifigures. Um, also, I know it's an older episode, but you guys took so long to invite me to be a part of this. <laughs> that cage thing is the coolest. The bird cage is the yep. coolest thing I've ever seen on Lego Masters. And that's my opinion. Other than when Trent built a pirate that looked like me because he was missing me. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much I missed you, Davey. I, I wore the DVG shirt to bed every night because I couldn't have it on set. <laughs> I know, I know. 
Um, so Josh you alluded to like there was uh, other elements you wanted to include assuming that time was unlimited what else would have you guys added to that pirate ship do you think well we planned quite a lot and when we kind of realized that we were barely going to get the structure up we had to cut so many things and Brickman did kind of comment in his analysis of it that it was just missing a few bits here and there that made it an iconic pirate ship and so we definitely had the plan to put stuff on the back of that ship like a big skull and crossbones um we wanted things all over the front deck so like barrels and like little stories with maybe a parrot yeah uh, maybe stealing a pirate's hat and all sorts of fun stuff like that um that would have really elevated it to that next level but we just totally ran out of time we even wanted to have a second lot of sails coming up on that top deck but we, again, ran out of time. So we just had to brick over the technique part I'd built into that and put a, a steering wheel on it, which was done in the last five minutes. So I reckon that definitely showed with the time thing because you had started putting like on the like golden, like yellow windows, you had started putting embellishments on the top and bottom of the actual window itself on the sides, that yep. is. Yep. And I was like, clearly they had planned to wrap that, you know, all those embellishments and stuff the whole way around the back of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have been nice. And they're unfortunately the details that we didn't get to. And, and I think ultimately it's probably what didn't sell it as a winning build, having all those nice little details. You know, like, sure, the characters are good. Sure, the ship was impressive. But, you know, it just looked a bit bare. And, and unfortunately, we, we went big. And that, that sort of at the expense of probably some of those nicer details. So, yeah, if you had your time again, you'd probably try a bit better. But The, the way I look at it is you t if it was... If you guys were tattoo artists, you guys did an amazing big back piece that was really awesome. But unfortunately, Jackson and Alex did this amazing sleeve and just stole it away from you guys. <laughs> and also, I want to ask you, Josh, now, obviously, because you essentially aren't competing with Trent anymore, you can be a little bit honest. But I want to know, obviously, leading up to the finale, there's all been the magazine stories and the TV interview with Trent. Does it feel like a bit of a George Michael in Wham situation? Like, where's your phone call? Where's your story about your collections of stuff at home, mate? Tell I have us what a, you really think. I have a large collection of plants, so <laughs> maybe I'll get a note. Better Homes and Gardens coming and give me an Gosh. interview next or yeah. something like that. I don't have a huge collection of Lego or toys, so obviously not that not as exciting. Um, we I was kind of venting to Trent this morning that I got blown off for. A, a radio, I won't say which radio station, but a radio station blew me off on two occasions. They organised an interview with both of us twice and then just had Trent and didn't call me. That's exactly oh. what I'm talking about. George I was, Michael. I was, group. I was livid. I was livid. Not at Trent because Trent's an amazing guy and definitely deserve, deserves some credit for the hard work he's done in collecting all those amazing toys because it is extremely impressive, especially when you see it in person. As but much as... Not at the radio station. <laughs> As much as it emotionally hurts me, I've got to say, Josh, obviously we haven't known each other very long, but I have known Trent for a while. I've got to say, you guys come across as the most likable, genuine people. And I can testify, and I hate doing it because it's out, it's off brand. Trent is really like that in real life. And being that it's a reality TV show, you never know what to think because, you know, obviously you could have come across as a, a kale for lack of a better term, <laughs> but you guys were so likable, so genuine, and I really feel like there's going to be some late night messages between Hamish and Trent, <laughs> but who knows? 
I, I think he's forgotten who I am by now. <laughs> something bigger and better. <laughs> She's forgotten the little people. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll, I'll, also, I'll, I was going to say, I second. Shush, you shush, my show. <laughs> um, I second what Davey said. I had friends of mine reach out, just go, because they knew that, you know, I'd sort of posted a few things about, hey, my buddy Trent's on the show. And they were just like, Oh, is 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 he acting? I'm just like, no. Like, is it? You saw that Star Wars squeal, right? You cannot fake that. That was just sheer. That that moment where you were literally jumping up and down, clapping your hands. That was the embodiment of of fandom, really, right in that one moment. And I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think by the end, people were just like, you know what, you know, you guys may not have, you know, won the official title, but I feel like, I feel like you won Australia's hearts, to be honest. <laughs> well, what, this what is... I did like, sorry to cut you off, man. Um, what I did like a lot was, obviously, we've all been collecting toys for a long time. And when we started, it was not a cool hobby. Yeah. Obviously, things have evolved. And it's so funny because you see like all your toy in your collections and stuff like being represented through the show and stuff. It's like, yeah, we're all, we're all part of that community. Then when you did that Star Wars scream, I instantly was transported back to hiding toy collections from my mate. <laughs> and be like, oh, easy, easy to. Hey, He's up. Hey, hey, I don't know, know him that well. You've got no, to ruin no. it for all of it. Trent? I, I know Brent. He just looks a bit like him. <laughs> hey, just to that acting point, I think for anyone that thinks it's an act, download some of our GIFs that we did, and you can see me attempting to act <laughs> in those GIFs. That's me trying to act. So it's one, chalk and cheese. Trent's one regret in doing this show is those yeah. terrible, terrible gifts. And I use them all the time because I it's... love how bad they are. <laughs> so bad, yeah. Although, fun fact, we had like a famous American actress use one of them in her Instagram story by accident. So that was pretty funny. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we made um, Elliot from Scrubs. She used our mic drop gif in one of her posts. Oh, nice. Cool. She was on Roseanne as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, with a bit more of a background about you, Josh, uh, there's no way of training to be good at Lego, essentially. Like, I know you guys did a lot of practice builds and stuff like that, but a lot of it kind of, uh, well, in my opinion, I feel like I'm not a good Lego master just because I didn't have that much when I was a kid. How much Lego did you grow up with, Josh? So my family kind of had a quite a lot of city lego and stuff and i used to build my own like police stations and fire stations and fire trucks and all sorts of fun stuff like that as a kid and so i did that quite a bit and did a little bit of the medieval type stuff as well um and then because it was like family owned lego as soon as my brother had his kids he's like the eldest had his first kids he took it all and gave it to his kids and so then i just had barely any left in my collection and so as i kind of got older um, I would buy a few sets occasionally here and there um, just because I thought they were cool. So I like, like a lot of the pirate Lego as well. Actually, I've got like Pirates of the Caribbean, Black Pearl is probably my favorite thing that I have set up in my house and a few other ones are from Pirates of the Caribbean. So I have like a handful of sets and didn't really have much and really only got back into Lego when the first um, season of Lego Masters came out. And that's kind of what made me want to apply for the second season because I thought it was so cool. Yeah, looked super fun and didn't honestly think I was going to get a phone call back, let alone become the third. It is. Mm. Yeah, no, congratulations, man! And yeah. you guys, um, you guys need to be so proud. Obviously, you've heard it a few times, but um, I've got a vested interest, obviously, because you know we all want to jump on Trent's coattails with him succeeding on the show with you two guys. However, there were weeks where, like, 
I was so nervous because everyone else's builds were so good. Like even, even my bias was like, Oh no. Oh no. Oh, I hope that, I hope that stadium with the two robots fighting falls off the table. <laughs> we, we like, cause yeah. we always built relatively large structures, characters, etc. It would always like, we'd almost have to leave it down to, the wire to get things on because we couldn't put them on earlier because they either weren't finished or we didn't want to put them too early so we'd knock them over so we always were riding on the edge of that clock like we were always putting things on last minute always precarious things too so we knew it made great tv for sure but it definitely stressed trent out and me a little bit <laughs> every single time we had to have a clutch moment and it was almost every episode <laughs> this clutch <laughs> moment of putting something on in the last few seconds that was like a very major element of our business. and even when we didn't have to josh would create a situation where he could fiddle with it in the last 20 seconds yeah. just in case you know just just to build a bit of tension and potentially break that monkey so again maybe like you know. it, swapping well, a mouth or putting some keys in a monkey's hand in the <laughs> i was gonna say was this a backdoor um audition for you josh to be in one of the new planet of the apes movies because you wanted to show him how many monkey heads you could smash <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. Should we should we jump to Darren now? Darren's cute. Darren couldn't be with us tonight. I know he felt terrible. And and Darren, mate, like, know you've been supporting me the whole way through, um, and and giving Josh the support. So you know, no no problems. You couldn't make it tonight. Obviously, got to work. Um, but thank you so much for recording this little message that we're just going to play now. Just wanted to say how extremely proud of Trent and Josh I am. I feel they absolutely smashed it. They may not have came first, but they achieved everything that they really set out to do. As Trent said, he wanted a sense of nostalgia when looking at that pirate ship that captured the flavour of those Lego World Expos that, that people his and my age grew up with back in the 1980s and 1990s in those department stores across Australia and I think they conveyed that with the scale and, and the enormity of the pirate ship and, and the pirates and the display. I was suitably impressed and inspired by what I saw. What I think has really come out with Trent on Lego Masters is what a good job he's done at conveying a sense of excitement and enthusiasm for both Lego and toys and, and pop culture more broadly. I think he has a lot to be proud of. There's a real screen and media presence that he brings to it that has really carried him forward. And he's been, in my view... Um, and yeah, I know I'm biased, I've known him for 18 years, but in my view, he, he's been the breakout star of season two by far. He really has the right sense of humour, the right um, wit and intelligence to, to give a really good soundbite at any moment. Really, really proud of what he has achieved. I would not be, would not be possible to be any more proud even if he had won and taken out the title with Josh. So well done. Absolutely smashed it, and I couldn't be prouder. And you'll always be the heroic, the heroic master of Lego at Toy Power. Thank you. That's some lovely sentiments, Darren. I'm uh, touched by that. What I would say, it's funny. Um, 
you know, you, you, you can't help but do sort of some demographic analysis with your Instagram posts and kind of see where your fan base is and who, got, who are the type of people that are following you and get behind you. And we, I was doing a little bit of a breakdown of the, the finalists, right, in terms of my data analysis. And like, so give me, the, give me the street cred here that these Hang numbers on, are I'm true. I'm just going to have a net. All right. <laughs> so Damien and Andrew, right, they appeal to like the, the real AFOLs, like the real adult fans of Lego. They're super good with how they use bricks. Like they know all the techniques. They know how to make a beautiful model, right? So to me, they get all like the AFOLs. That's, that's their fan base. Like if you're a, a master builder at home, go for Andrew Damien, right? Alex and Jackson, with those locks, those tats, that kind of like bad boy image, They've got the twenty to forty year old mum demographic. Like they're just all the all the women across Australia are absolutely like mesmerized by Alex and Jackson. Any comment you see on Instagram, go oh, Alex and Jackson. It's always like twenty five year old lady, um, with or without kids. That's their that's their bag, right? They've got that. So anyone that anyone that has a minion on their desk at work is thank you. <laughs> Pretty much, that's right. Yep, pop vinyl, you know, that sort of thing. And they, they quite often, or if not every single time, won the fan vote on the, the show if you're watching in the corner. Yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah, kind yeah. Of joking. They won every one. Because all the mums buy the Wonder Bread and vote for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that further evidence, further evidence. And that's crazy that they won every one because that was all Eastern Seaboard voting, right? By the time it got to Adelaide and Perth, that was done. Like the episode had been on. So that was all, that was all Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. They're from Perth. So they still won that even without their hometown advantage, which is like crazy. So yeah, definitely five votes for every one vote. If you bought Wonder Bread and that, that, got, to Josh's point, who was buying the Wonder Bread? <laughs> <laughs> they've got, they've got the, uh, the um, doctor, doctor, auntie crowd down pat. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, it's, was, it's it. everyone was tuning in to see when doctor, doctor was back on nine and they were like, <laughs> Oh, we'll vote for these little boys with <laughs> naughty tattoos on their eyes. <laughs> and I'm a and just, cool auntie. Yeah, exactly. And to round it out, Josh and I, I don't want to drag Josh into this because it might be unfairly, unfairly tainting his street cred, but we had essentially like the 10-year-old market. So yeah. all the kids and that... The, and by the ones that didn't have a phone to vote. Yeah. That right? <laughs> right. No, but by definition, anyone who's like 40 but is in the like body of a 40 year old, but the spirit of a 10 year old. Also, we got that market. So like all the man children around Australia as well, that that's who we had. So like we yeah. had, we, we kind of had like, you know, like when I go to school, when I do like school drop off, I just get swamped by kids. Like it's, it's crazy. And, and Josh is the same, right? Like, you know, he's a school chaplain. He's at a school. The, the kid angle that we get is like phenomenal. Alex and Jackson, they can't go into like a coffee shop without being swarmed by people in active wear. Like it's just, it's just a different kind of thing. Like, so anyway, that's, that's my um, demographic. Right it now. sounds like but revisionist history. You're like, oh, everyone that was in a place that had no phone signal and couldn't vote. Loved us the most. <laughs> they, that, it's just the way it falls sometimes. No, I know what you mean. I've yeah. got, because obviously I started pretending to be your best friend after you got on the show and all my mates' kids are like, oh, Trent and Josh are so good. I love... And even... Um, I don't know if they... I don't know how much manipulation goes on with reality TV, but I noticed all the testimonials of the final vote. All the kids and all the... Yeah, man-children were like, the pirate ship, the pirate, the pirate ship. ship. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
Very good. All right, any, any closing comments? Like, do, do um, you want to pick a winner? Like, and we're okay. Like, I, I personally would have voted for the robot battle. Like, that was my that bag. Was, that, was that was my vote. So I'm not offended if you don't pick the pirate the, ship. You guys I, I like the robot battle, but I felt like if that was a real battle in that arena, half the crowd would be dead because uh, <laughs> yep. there's, it's not big enough. They swing yeah. a sword and, uh, you Take know. Take out a stand. Take yep. out the, you know, they, they almost needed to have the robot crashing into the stand and half the stand and people or the audience running away because, uh, and that would have helped uh, showcase the size, the smaller size of the stand uh, instead of them sort of leaning on the stand because, um, yeah. Uh, but I, I really liked yours, Trent and Josh, like because it was just a wow factor in the room. That would have, if I was in that room casting my little uh, brick vote, that would have caught my eye first, I reckon, because of the scale and things. And I think that, uh, and that I do, I do like Josh and Alex's, uh, you know, like haunted house thing because I'm a bit of a sucker for purple. Yep. And, and their their pinnacle, uh, you know, house on right at the top was this beautiful purple, and then uh, everything underneath and the robot, you know, a minifigure moving and things. I thought that was really cool. I would have uh, voted so. for the battle also. Uh, however, I felt throughout, I don't know if it was a last minute decision. I wasn't paying that much attention when Josh and Trent weren't on screen. However, when they were building that battle, I feel like it was right near the end that they made it kind of futuristic. Because until then, I thought it was like... Um, Steampunk? Oh, yeah, kind of. It wasn't until they showed right at the end all the um, like LED style signage, like the KO and all that. Oh, that is yeah. actually, that is what lost my vote for that. Up until then, I was like, oh, no, I need it to fall off the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, my, my vote probably would have gone to Jackson and Alex, to be honest, and that mainly comes from that. They were able to tell one story with the, the giant robot, and then there was all the little stories all around it, all the little vignettes, the people in the graveyard, the, the cave, which most other people probably would have built as uh, just a giant hole in a mountain that these robots come through they had story within that the spinning gears the little man's workshop i just thought the level of that it, it took me back to those uh to darren's point those expos you used to go to as a kid um again pirate ship cannot complain about that as far as the scale that would have been this just as you saw this was a quite literally the tallest thing in the room amazing um but yeah so and I think, as we spoke about earlier, if you'd had those other elements, the the barrel and the the parrot and whatever else, um, you know, it would have been a much tighter tighter vote. Out of interest, does anybody know who Brickman voted for with his 100 votes thing? No, we don't get told that stuff, but we can take, yeah. only take a, a good guess that it was Jackson and Alex. I guess based on a couple of different things that we know, like one... The contestants that were in there voting said it was relatively even, like everyone was putting their bricks in pretty much all of them. Yep. Um, and also the fact that when Brickman kind of went around and gave his feedback, he didn't have anything negative to say about uh, Jackson and Alex's. So I'm, uh, at a very good guess, I would imagine it went into theirs. Obviously, yeah. they won as well, so that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I just think mathematically, it would be really hard Brickman not to cast the deciding vote. Yeah. You know, it was one brick worth a hundred. And like Josh said, they were probably pretty even distributions, give or take. So I, I, I can't help but feel mathematically that was really the only outcome, unless kind of 
no one voted for a particular build and then Brickman voted for that, but the audience votes outweighed on the other ones, it would mean you'd have to get like 25 votes, Brickman votes for 125, and that's not quite enough to get past. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I can't help but think that's the one he voted for. Yeah. yeah. I noticed with Jackson and Alex, all, most of their builds where they use minifigs, so many elements of their builds look like something you'd buy in a set. And I feel like that would have spoke to Brickman a lot. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like it, all yep. of it looked like something you'd buy. Like a lot of yeah. what he loved that uh, yeah. factor in the Star Wars episode. He yeah. loved that factor that you could have bought that set, that one yep. from um, yeah, Damien and Andrew. Well, yeah. it's a big part of Lego, right? Like going mm. out and buying the sets and having that Lego design aesthetic that makes a set because it is something that is. I think it's really hard to do to pull off something that you could actually buy in a set to make it look Lego worthy. Cause those designers, right. They've, they're the masters of what they do and they work with this medium all the time. So the sets are beautiful in their design aesthetic. So that, I mean, I don't feel I personally could bring that skill to the table. I could bring, you know, building a big face, but that's not something you see in a set, right? Yeah, um, so doing it. Let's start marketing that trend. Yeah. Well, maybe we can. Yeah, get your monkey heads. John will smash every third one. You know, like <laughs> he's not letting go are... of that, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Let's go around the room and uh, shout out everyone's favourite build for the, um, you know, the season, so to speak. So, uh, Josh, what's your favourite of the, all of them? Out of all the contestants, of, yeah. oh, I reckon of you guys, every... so you and uh, Trent. What was your favourite to build? Okay, I'll give you two. I'll give you, yep. like, our favourite was, um, of the ones that we did, I really, really loved the the bull and the cowboy. Yeah. I think it was, like, uh, like the turning point for us was definitely the cats in the cage, but we really solidified it with that next one. And it looked impressive, awesome. It came so far out of that canvas. It, it looked amazing, honestly, and it was probably one of our best builds. You was... guys were the clear winner that week. Like, I would have actually, I would have started all these conspiracy theories about the show being rigged if you didn't win with the Cowboys. <laughs> the Bull Not according to the Wonder White votes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was definitely my favourite of ours. Of the other ones, and I think majority of the contestants actually agree that the anglerfish was just so impressive. Like, the yeah. sculpting on that thing was really well done it told a really clear story really quickly the color choice was amazing it's if that fin hadn't fallen off they easily would have won so it was just a bit unfortunate but it was it was incredible it was so good cool yeah cut cut copy paste so we can move move around what did you guys have a favorite for the season davy the birdcage yeah it conveyed that you guys were not going to get there and, you know, <laughs> that makes good TV. But honestly, no, no, no. I mean, yeah. when it all fell apart, it was like, well, mm. here's the episode where they go home. And for you guys to turn it around and pull off what that you was did huge. was... Like, even the, there was a point, I reckon, because um, after you watch the full season, it kind of, you start, look, like, if you start clock watching, you go, right, there's five minutes left until the show finishes. So, you know, you know, because you get the countdown of how long you have left to the build. But watching it, you start picking up on trends. And there was a point where Josh turns and says, we've got to build another cat. Yeah. And it was like, guys, it's five minutes till the next show's on. What are you doing? <laughs> and you nailed it. Like, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably for, across all the contestants, I'd say um, 
the, I think it was Jay and Stani who built the planetoid where it was like a big uh, sort of, yeah, that was, that was the other hanging one. I'm pretty triceraton sure. Yeah. Sort of. It reminded me of that Triceraton Homer, Tr- but the fact yeah. that all that Lego was hanging, the anglerfish really cool. But in terms of sheer scale, how the hell they got that thing to, to hang off of what must be a really, really strong cable um, was just ridiculous. And, and, you know, the, the ingenuity behind, what was it like a, a, a minifig skate that, acted as a as a car yeah. who the, who thinks of that like that was just ridiculous for mine um of you guys pretty much i can't go past the bull rider i i love the fact that it was almost an accident that he was leaning back in the yeah. way he was because that was a oh we can't fit him in the frame so just have him leaning back and when you see it you go yeah that's what would happen if you're trying to ride a bull it, it fell into place beautifully so yeah Ben? Yeah. Uh, for everyone, I, I have to go all the way back to the aisle, uh, the very first uh, episode where um, Damien and Andrew bought the, built the aisle island with the eyes and mm. things. I just thought that was really cool for something so early on and just to, you know, set the, the benchmark of what we're to expect for season two. I really, really like that one. And then you guys to replicate that and the other you know, winning choices in one of your other builds, uh, the Shake Shake Tower, I think. I thought that was just absolutely ingenious and a true, uh, you know, dedication to, um, you know, you're having fun, so to speak. Uh, for you guys, it's, yeah, it's the cat cage. It's the, you've got one idea and then, Josh, you just throw it on the ground. You're kicking the uh, the, front, the cage around on the ground. And I'm, I'm sitting there on my couch, pulling out my hair. You're wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to... And just that turnaround, you know, that turnaround episode where uh, we've got to, you know, do another cat. And then all of a sudden there's two birds in the cage and there's poo on the ground of the cage. You know, just going to that. You talk about detail and the water bottle and things. It just, that was just absolutely fantastic i uh, yeah massive respect also josh when you were kicking all that um technique under like the little stage riser and that and say get out of here i just couldn't stop imagining the guy that owns that lego watching that episode and being like i don't think they could borrow my stuff next thing i didn't think about it but when um, I started getting a few comments from people afterwards being like, oh, wow, you really threw a tantrum. But like in my head, when I was doing it, I was kicking it out of the way so people could run past and they wouldn't trip yes. over. Yes. And so my brain didn't comprehend the way they edited it. And I didn't realize until someone said to me, oh, were you throwing a tantrum? I was like, no, why would I be doing that? And I was like, oh, wait, that's what it looked like to everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait a second. I wasn't doing that, guys. To, to the audience, thought <laughs> it was a fun tantrum. It was like, get away, go, get out yeah. of my life, you know? Like, it yeah, wasn't so- as if you were, you know, it was a be-all and end-all. It was just, yeah. uh, right, we, we're changing the, the story, we're changing the plot, we're changing yeah. the build. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was well done, but, yeah. There was a fake news article that came out around the same time in another magazine, like conveniently at the same time. And it said like, our Lego insider told us that one team threw a big tantrum and ran off set. And then it's got a photo of me and Trent, but it doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed a lot because it never happened. And we were yeah. like, wow, I don't know where they're getting their fake news from, but it was very funny. Yep, insider source. Got that one a little bit wrong. Awesome. The people that- in the places with no signal know what really happened, guys. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, That's I just I quickly say. wanted to ask, with the hindsight of the whole show, well, the whole season behind you, if you could do the final build again and build something else, do you have any ideas what it would be? Or is it always going to be pirate ship? 
we actually had other plans and a few other ideas that we were kind of tossing up and we very quickly decided that Pirates was the best of those options just because it's so iconic. It's so nostalgic. We can make big characters in that, in that environment like that look awesome. We knew we could do that. So we easily yep. decided it was the best idea, but we definitely had other backup ideas. And I think we're even going to plan on using some of them for some upcoming Lego conventions. So cool. Yeah, my- we could... I thought the best way to like to really pander to Brickman would have been to build a time portal and mini versions of every build of the entire show <laughs> on little tables. Wow. wow. That- and then you'd be like, ha ah, it's on brand and you can show it in the ad. <laughs> <laughs> You're always thinking branding, Davey. I love it. It's great. <laughs> I just wanted to quickly, before we waste too much of, well, I waste too much of your show's time. I just wanted to pitch two shows that I need Josh and Trent to get behind. We need to put your star power. Will you be a part of my new show, Duplo Master? <laughs> I was kind of joking about this before I went on the show. When I kind of knew that I was going to be on, um, I was like, oh, I better like start getting a bit more involved in the Lego community. So I joined Lego Ideas and my, my handle <laughs> on Lego Ideas is Duplo Expert. No. <laughs> I, I would only be able to be good at Duplo and not Lego. It's very <laughs> You were only hated less more than the person that was Lego friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll quite happily uh, back Duplo experts or whatever, Duplo masters for sure. And the, the last show that I want you guys to get behind, it is you both become fertility experts and it's called Prego Masters. <laughs> <laughs> Can I put your name to it? <laughs> that that, that requires a lot of work, doesn't it? To become a fertility expert. You figure it out. You're the accountant. <laughs> you did mention that 74 times a show. Not as much as you mentioned Lego. It's pronounced Lego. How much do I owe you, Davey? What did I say? Dollar for every time I say Lego? I stopped counting when I got up to the number I could count to. <laughs> so I'll give you, I'll give you your $2. So I know you owe me $22. <laughs> All right. Guys, congratulations, up. honestly. Yes, yeah, well very done, much boys. so. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, and a massive thanks to Josh for coming on Toy Power. Yeah, Did a sterling job. So you, oh, they can they can get you on radio, mate. <laughs> I don't know, don't know what they're worried about. I'll prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and George we... Michaels here is paying us to have you on. <laughs> And to Davey, as always, for making this episode so much fun, as he always does. Thank you so much for coming on. And also a massive shout out to, we're using a um, picture from BC Talk today. Uh, So massive thanks uh, to Ghostbuster with uh, Peter Venkman, uh, with the ghost hanging around his shoulder. He's done an amazing job for us. Uh, Yeah, so thank you, massive. Follow him on Instagram, uh, BC Talk. Nice. All right. Well, that concludes our special midweek Lego Masters episodes. Maybe, I don't know, hopefully we we get some inside goss when season three hits and we can maybe bring it back and and do it again, do the analysis. Well, they're already asking for contestants. Yeah. Hey, put your applications in. This is, I only did it because Bilzy came on the podcast and said uh, it was a lot of fun. Give it a go. And I can say that that is 100% accurate. Definitely worth while. And easier than becoming a Prego Master. So on that note, Prego Master 2021. Yeah. Or on that note, thank you very much for tuning into this episode and we will see you around the toy aisles. Good chatty. <laughs> I love it when someone else who's not Darren does that. <laughs> you can find the Toy Power team at all the usual online places. 
facebook.com slash toypowerpodcast at toypowerpodcast on both Twitter and Instagram or have your say and email us toypowerpodcast at gmail.com subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher and please leave us a review otherwise we just assume we're awesome we are a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network check out all the awesome shows on this awesome network full of okay people want to learn more go to giantsizeteamup.com where you can find us and a whole lot more awesome shows well they're not more awesome than us but they're yeah. oh, oh.